Welcome to a self-published author's diary. I am Elodie Novodatsky. I write about first time, second chances, things that scare the crap out of me and things that make me laugh out loud. I'll be speaking with you and sharing my adventures in self-publishing, the behind the scenes of writing and the business side of it. And before we get started today, a small message from our sponsor, Anchor. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome again to, or maybe not again, maybe you're new to this podcast. So just welcome to a self-published author's diary, the podcast. I'm Elodie, as I've said in the introduction, and today I'm going to be talking about writing as a means of catharsis and I started thinking about it when I was writing this week an article for the Allman Foundation about some of the things I went through in the past couple of years when it comes to um, treatments and everything and being diagnosed. I was diagnosed in 2017 with Hodgkin's lymphoma and I'm currently in remission. I've had quite a few treatments throughout the years and yeah I wrote I wrote an article and I will probably share the actual article with the podcast whenever it's published but right now I'm just talking more about the process of writing that article and and some of the emotions that writing it has made me either realize or been able to go through or kind of put me back also a little bit in in that spot so like working through some 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 things and how i've also done that with my books and i think sometimes you know as a writer i channel some of the emotions that are i work through some of the emotions that i am i'm going through at the moment via the storyline and it's not to say that it's the same situations at all for the characters, what they're going through. But if I'm going through, you know, if I'm, if I'm writing about somebody who is thinking about how to overcome certain things, like I might channel some of the emotions that I have felt myself in order to put them on the paper or channeling might be the wrong term, but I am able to work out some of those emotions on the paper. Writing has always been very important to me, even prior to publishing and even without the publishing side of it. Writing still feels to this day very important to me personally. So yeah, so that's what I'm going to be talking about today. And yeah, without further ado, I guess <laughs> I'll do the transition to the first part of this week's episode. The second part is about my revision of The Leftover Bride. I am updating you on a revelation I had and how important it is for me to let that little revelation simmer, not for very long because I'm on deadline, but extending the pre-order has really helped me with that. So those are the topics for the day. Good morning. It's 11.15 a.m. on August 11th. There is a heat warning where I am living in Maryland. So we walked the dog. I, I walked the dog. I was by myself. I walked the dog pretty early in the morning. 
And of course he barked and I crossed my fingers. He didn't wake up anybody. It wasn't that early. Like I didn't do it first thing when I got up. I did it like after breakfast and everything. So I mean, it was not that early, but yeah, he's a beagle. So he is pretty loud when he barks. Anyhow, not the point of this podcast. Maybe I should do a Plato the Beagle and Bobby Voltaire the Cat podcast. But (laughs) today I am going to talk a little bit about writing an article for um, the Allman Foundation. And it's the Allman Foundation is a nonprofit organization So their mission is, we change lives by creating a community of support for young adults and their loved ones impacted by cancer. And they contacted me a couple of months ago to ask me if I would be willing to write an article for their blog or their newsletter. And I did not see the email right away, so I did not respond right away. And then when I responded... um, It was for an interview at the time, but now it's like it turned into me writing an article. And the reason why is because when I was going through treatments at the University of Maryland, I was lucky to get the help of one of their patient navigators. And she was, she basically made treatments days, like there was a distraction within treatment days when she was coming to see us. And that was, that was great. And by us, I mean, Um, me and my husband, who was there during every single treatment except one during COVID because he was not allowed to come with me um, for the treatment. I had maintenance treatment after stem cell transplant. Writing has always been very cathartic for me. It's always been very, like writing novels, um, when I say cathartic, is also, for example, I wrote Trust Me, Trust Me Not as I was trying to you know, find a new normal before transplant. And it was a lot of like, I had a lot of <laughs> emotions that made it on the page. And my, my characters were not at all going what I was going through, but they were trying to move on from their trauma and they were, you know, facing somebody else coming their way. And so a lot of those emotions, I think, translate onto the page. And when it comes to the left of a bride, I've mentioned before, so that's my rom-com that's coming out on September 14th and that I'm currently revising. And as I've said in the past, um, I started writing The Leftover Bride after transplant in December. So I got my transplant in October 2019 and I was able to really start writing again in December about. And when I say able, it's because... um, you're very exhausted after a stem cell transplant and everybody has different recovery time and everything. But I was also having issues concentrating and, and, you know, doing things. And so it took me a a bit of like of time and also of being able to write. Um, And I started writing something that at the beginning was going to be just for fun. And then it turned into the leftover bride, which it's still very fun um, and is also now a book that I'm publishing. And when The Leftover Bride, when I started drafting it, I wanted to step away a little bit from the very heavy, heavy emotional lift that I sometimes need to do for the romantic suspense that I was writing 
because the story that I need to tell right now for the romantic suspense series, um, for my Gavard City series, she, like the main character, has gone through a whole lot of things. And it's not like, yes, there will be moment of levity and like laughing and everything, but it's not like it's a very, there's a lot of darkness in that book in terms of what she went through, what she's about, like what I'm about to make her go through again. And yes, there is hope and there is love, like it's a romantic suspense. So there is love and everything, but it's still like, it's still heavy. And my brain was not able to go there. Like it just was not able to go into that particular place at the moment and so when I started writing The Leftover Bride, it was fun. Like, it was just a fun, funny, <laughs> like, it made me laugh. It's much lighter in terms of, it's not easier to write. So let's let's dispel the notion that, you know, just because it's a rom-com, it's easier to write. That's not true. It's not easier. It's just, at least not to me, maybe it is for other people, but to me, it's not easier. It's just lighter. And by being lighter, it also enabled me to focus a little bit more on like the, the happy and like, it's just, it's just fun. And yes, I mean, Sorka, my main character, um, she has OCD and it's part of who she is. It does not define her. And I, I did use my own experience with OCD to inform this particular character. I know it's not going to represent everybody who has OCD and or anxiety, but to her, she's like, you know, she's done the work and she has moments where it's harder, but she is, she went through a difficult moment with it as well, especially as her life kind of unraveled when she got jilted at the altar and everything. But she has a, I don't want to say under control because um, I don't know, it sounds weird when talking about OCD, but it's still something that she does have, like she has the tools for it. And anyhow, so I'm not saying that The Leftover Bride doesn't also have like topics that can be sometimes difficult to tackle. For me, it was important to have an OCD character who was um, like a character who has OCD, who gets her happily ever after and who is also like, she's funny and she is um, talented and... She has all those things going on for her and she's, uh, she's trying her hardest and she has like one of the best love stories I think I've written so far. I say that about all my books. And if, <laughs> if I were to reread one of my older books, I would still say the same about that books too. So it's, it's just the way it is, right? You, you get so involved in the story you're writing that it becomes like you think it's the best you've ever written. That's normal, right? So anyways, so basically writing is an outlet for me as well. Like it's an outlet for my emotions. Sometimes it's an outlet for me to focus on something else or at the time of what I mean after my transplant, it was a time to focus on something like fun and funny. When after talking to Katie at the Old Man Foundation about writing an article, I, in my mind, I thought, okay, well, I will write this article about the help that Megan has given us throughout the years, ever since we found out about the, like, 
ever since we found out about the Holman Foundation, when we started, when I started treatment, I say we all the time again, because my husband has been there every single step of the way. Um, so it really feels like even though, even though, yes, it's different, like I was the one going through treatment, he, he was there. Um, so anyways, so since we started at the University of Maryland and I wrote the first draft very quickly in the sense that I, I wrote it in, in one morning, the first, like in a few hours, the first draft was maybe 600, 700 words. And then it was pretty emotional actually to write. If you, if you ask my husband, he will tell you, I was like, it was just a lot coming back to me. And I did not necessarily handle it at the beginning. Like it was just a lot. But I did, it was also very, and it is very cathartic to have written and to write that, to write and to have written that article because it enabled me to go back and analyze certain things that I went through therapy too when I went to for cancer. So I had um, a therapist to help me tremendously. And a lot of the recurring theme in the article that I wrote for the Ullman Foundation is not finding my words and feeling like I didn't have words to either tell people, you know, when, when I first got diagnosed and then afterwards to explain some of the things that I was going through until, until I also started therapy and then I was able to, you know, find my words again in a certain way. The recurring thing being about the words and, and, you know, ex communication and, and all that stuff. And at the same time, it's also explaining that sometimes you just need to ask about a dog. That's actually the title of the article. Because with Megan at the hospital, we could just really be Alex and Elodie asking about her dog, um, during infusion. So she was part of our world without being completely part of the hospital world. So it was kind of like a window to the outside while we were inside the hospital. And it was a very, it was a very nice, very helpful, tremendously helpful distraction to have while we were in the infusion room. But it's, it's, it's hit me. So the first draft was about 600, 700 words. Then I sent it to three of my friends and thank you so much to Alison, Katie and Sam for reading that article. If you're listening to the podcast right now, thank you again so much for your feedback. After their feedback, I updated it a little bit. So not a whole lot. Their feedback was not, you know, it was not like it helped me make it better by expanding on it a little bit. So, well, a little bit, <laughs> quite a bit, because I changed it from 600, 700 words, and it's now 1,200 words. But that also because I have like a little introduction about myself at the end, which was not there in the very first. Um, so I maybe added 300 words to the actual article. It felt very important to me to also add more about my experience about not being listened to prior to diagnosis, after diagnosis, before we switched care, actually. So I added quite a bit about that. I did not get into a lot of details about, you know, I, I mentioned at some point that not being listened to resulted in 
terrifying moments and excruciating pain. And I, I don't go into details about that particular, those particular things in that, that article. I might at some point, but to me, I think it's, it's also important to like not keep the story entirely for myself. I'm, I just feel it's important for me to share some of that some of those experiences with with people and also with with other patients maybe who like me like I I write in that article and I will I will share it um on my blog and I I might read it on on this podcast when it's published but it's I write about at some point about how there is no manual to be the perfect cancer patient. And yes, I was, and yet I was trying so hard to be good one. And it's, it's a lot of pressure. You know, there is, you feel sometimes that there are a lot of expectations put on you about how you're supposed to react to certain things, how you're supposed to be. And there's, it, it's hard. Like everything, everything about it is hard. And writing that article, I think kind of, made me realize even more, even though I'm already aware of it, thanks to therapy, putting it into words felt important. And yeah, it's just, it's just made me realize again, um, the power of words and how, even though there is a big difference between writing a nonfiction article and writing my novels, I do use my novel sometimes as a way to work through some emotions, if that makes sense. Or maybe I inf- my, my, some of my novels are informed by some of the emotions I personally felt. And again, I've never encountered a serial killer and now my OCD is like, oh my God, now that you said that, no, I don't need to do anything to counter that thought. So it's... uh it's just very, it's just very interesting to me to realize I definitely want to be able to give hope to other people. That's, that's one thing I'm, I'm striving towards when it comes to cancer and, and other things, but like medical diagnosis and things, but like being able to, for example, you know, I, f- I fundraise for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. I tried to find ways. I, I did that online auction in 2018 that was called Let's Do Something Good Now that benefited organizations that were helping young adults facing a cancer diagnosis. And those, I think, are very important to me. It, and it feels that this article is another way to help. And I still kept even though I, I shared a lot in that article, I, I'm, I'm very vulnerable in that article. I'm, I'm very truthful in that article. I still managed to also keep some things to myself about, you know, everything that was going on. I don't go into a lot of details for certain things because also it's not the purpose of that particular article. It's not, you know, going into detail about a lot of different things that I've been through. But I feel like it's, uh, it was important for me to do it and to write it and to also reflect a little bit more. It's uh, a lot has happened. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Sometimes when I talk about, you know, the, the transplant and everything with, with friends and I go back to some of the things that happened, it hits me. It's like, wow, I really went through all of that. 
And here's an update on my revision. So I'm updating you on my revision on Thursday, August 12th. It's about 2.30 p.m. And this morning I had another revelation, which are great. I mean, I'm glad I pushed my book away a little bit because that revelation would have made it very hard <laughs> to get it done on time. And it's towards the end of the book, there is a moment that I'm not going to disclose, but it's pretty difficult for the main characters. And something external happens that has them reevaluate to a certain extent their internal motivation. So it's usually what people call the breakup moment in the romance novels. And to me, it doesn't have to be. The main characters don't have to break up. It's a moment that's just, you know, a difficult moment that they have to get through. And that's either really push them together at the end or cement um, what they've been going through before, the growth that they've been going through together before. And also really sharpens their own goals in a way. And that particular moment, well, it was happening, but it was not strong enough. I need one more detail for it to really work out. I sent a message to my critic partners on Google Chat, and I am very grateful that um, I got feedback. And I think that I, I know the way that I'm going to strengthen that moment. And I need to make sure that it all follows through for the characters and also crossing my fingers for the readers. So yeah, so I'm I'm happy I got that. I'm letting it simmer this afternoon. <laughs> Sounds weird. I'm not talking about cooking, but I'm letting that realization simmer this afternoon because I need to just have as much clarity as possible on the mechanism of what's going to happen because that means I'm going to have to do just a few changes in earlier chapters. Not big changes, it's just the thread of what's going to happen needs to be sewn into the novel just a tiny bit earlier with just a few sentences. So it's not something that's going to be like all the time, all like all the time there in the main character's mind, but it needs to be slightly added <laughs> to to the novel. So this is something that I'm going to be probably just writing out a little bit before typing it. And yeah, so I'll be working on that part tomorrow. I also added in the past, so on Tuesday, I added about more than 3,000 words, which hadn't happened in a while. And yesterday I added about 1,000 words and then I revised half of a chapter. So I've been working on getting this revision ready. And this morning after getting that, you know, revelation in a way about what needed to be stronger in that particular point in the manuscript, I went back to the very beginning and just now I'm proofreading the beginning. And I needed to add two or three sentences at the beginning, not about that particular aspect, but about another aspect that I thought the thread needed to be hint upon earlier in the book. So I'm, I'm, I'm working on that. And 
I'm really like, I reread and actually if you are in my Facebook's Cosinook, which I know I don't post super regularly in, I'm trying to do more Teaser Tuesdays, but the best regular way to get news from me and my novels outside of the podcast is my newsletter and which you can sign up on. There's the link in this episode's description. So I shared the first paragraph of the second chapter, like of Ryan's first chapter in the Kozinuk yesterday, because uh, today, this morning, because I was reading it and it's very strong first paragraph for a character, I think. I feel it's just a very strong paragraph. So let me read it to you. I still can't believe I'm back on the East Coast in Swan's Cove, the town that's filled with some of my best memories and some of my worst. My plan was to go straight to my parents, but I had to stop at the bakery. After all, mom loves Delimon pie. And what type of son who hasn't come home in over 10 years wouldn't get his mom her favorite dessert if he could? Nothing to do with the breathtaking redhead staring up at me like I stomped all over her heart. My jaw clenches with years of regrets remorse, and messed up chances. And in the manuscript, it's not messed up. It's another word. But I don't know if I use the other word, if I'm going to have to put this podcast episode as explicit. I have no idea. I really should check into that. So yeah, so this was this was the revision for today, in a sense, because as I said, I went back and started um, proofreading the first chapters and adding a few sentences that I needed to add on the notes that I had left, I had left myself. Another snippet that I did on August 10th, which was from that particular revision on that day, he must have taken lessons on how to master his puppy eyes from fluffy Napoleon, because even with the gust of Arctic air sending shivers up and down my spine, I melt at the way he looks at me. So as I mentioned, I'm really in love with this story <laughs> that you can purchase for only 99 cents right now. You can pre-order it for only 99 cents right now. Links are in this episode's description. So some of the things I googled this week, let me see. Ball of yarn cat, synonym for buzzing, synonym for slither. How do you call the way a snake moves? I just wanted to make sure he, it was called Slither and then I wanted a synonym for it. Oh, and this week I also received an email from a reader and that just made my day. It was a, it was a very nice email and it was a very, very nice email about one of my bilingual, about two of my bilingual books. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful to readers who find my books and take the time to let me know how excited they are for the next one. This, this was, this was, this was, this was great. So my plan for next week is to continue revising and I'll keep you updated on the progress. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, if you have a second, don't hesitate to rate, review, subscribe. That really, really helps. And if you're a writer, happy writing. And to everyone, happy, happy reading.